This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Robinson Crusoe, written anew for children. By James Baldwin. Chapters 27 through 29. Chapter 27 I Make an Umbrella. As the years went by, the things which I had brought from the ship were used up or worn out. My biscuits lasted more than a year, for I ate only one cake each day. My ink soon gave out, and then I had no more use for pens or paper. At last my clothes were all worn out. The weather was always warm on my island, and there was little need for clothes, but I could not go without them. It so happened that I had saved the skins of all the animals I had killed. I stretched every skin on a framework of sticks, and hung it up in the sun to dry. In time I had a great many of these skins. Some were coarse and stiff and fit for nothing. Others were soft to the touch and very pretty to look at. One day I took one of the finest and made me a cap of it. I left all the hair on the outside so as to shoot off the rain. It was not very pretty, but it was of great use, and what more did I want? I did so well with the cap that I thought I would try something else. So, after a great deal of trouble, I made me a whole suit. I made me a waistcoat and a pair of knee-breeches. I wanted them to keep me cool rather than warm, so I made them quite loose. You would have laughed to see them. They were funny things, I tell you, but when I went out in the rain they kept me dry. This, I think, put me in mind of an umbrella. I had seen umbrellas in Brazil, although they were not yet common in England. They were of much use in the summer when the sun shone hot. I thought that if they were good in Brazil they would be still better here where the sun was much hotter. So I set about the making of one. I took great pains with it, and it was a long time before it pleased me at all. I could make it spread, but it did not let down. And what would be the use of an umbrella that could not be folded. I do not know how many weeks I spent at this work. It was play-work rather than anything else, and I picked it up only at odd times. At last I had an umbrella that opened and shut just as an umbrella should. I covered it with skins, with the hair on the outside. In the rain it was as good as a shed. In the sun it made a pleasant shade. I could now go out in all kinds of weather. I need not care whether the rain fell or the sun shone. For the next five years I lived very quietly. I kept always busy and did not allow myself to feel lonely. I divided each day into parts according to my several duties. After reading in my Bible it was my custom to spend about three hours every morning in search of food. 
Through the heat of the day I busied myself in the shade of my castle or bower. In the evening, when the sun was low, I worked in my fields. But sometimes I went to work very early in the morning, and left my hunting until the afternoon. CHAPTER Twenty Eight. I HAVE A PERILOUS ADVENTURE I had never given up the idea of having a canoe. My first trial, as you have seen, was a failure. I had made too big a boat, and I had made it too far from the water. I could do better another time. One day, after I had harvested my grain, I set to work. There was no tree near the river that was fit for a canoe, but I found a fine one nearly half a mile away. Before I began to chop the tree, I made all my plans for taking the canoe to the water. I worked now with a will, for I felt sure that I would succeed. In a few weeks the little vessel was finished. It was a very pretty canoe, and large enough for only two or three persons. Small as it was, it was quite heavy. For you must remember that it was a part of the tree, hollowed out and shaped like a boat. It was as much as I could do to lift one end of it. How could I ever get it to the river? I have already told you that I had made plans for this. Through the soft ground, between the river and the canoe, I dug a big ditch. It was four feet deep, and six feet wide, and nearly half a mile long. I worked at this ditch for nearly two years. When it was done, and filled with water from the river, I slid my canoe into it. It floated as I knew it would. As I pushed it along to the end of the great ditch, and out into the river, it looked very small. I could never hope to make a long voyage in it. But I could sail round the island, and make little journeys close to the shore. Before starting out, I put up a mast in the prow of the canoe, and made a sail for it, of a piece of the ship's sail that I had kept with great care. Then at each end of the little vessel I made lockers, or small boxes, in which I put a supply of food and other things that I would need on my voyage. On the inside of the vessel I cut a little long, hollow place, or shelf, where I could lay my gun, and above this I tacked a long flap of goatskin to hang down over it and keep it dry. In the stern I set up my umbrella, so that it would keep the hot sun off of me while I was steering the canoe. Then every day I made short trips down the river to the sea and back again. Sometimes, when the wind was fair, I sailed a little way out, but I was afraid to go far. At last I made up my mind for a voyage around the island. I filled my lockers with food. In one I put two dozen barley cakes and a pot full of parched rice. In the other I stored the hindquarters of a goat. I also put in powder and shot enough to kill as much game as I would need. On a day in November I set sail on my voyage. It proved to be a harder voyage than I had bargained for. In the first place 
There were so many rocks along the shore that I sometimes had to sail for miles out into the sea to get around them. Then, when I was on the farther side of the island, I struck a furious current of water that was pouring round a point of land like the sluice of a mill. I could do nothing in such a current. My canoe was whirled along like a leaf in a whirlwind. The sail was of no use. The little vessel spun round and round in the eddies and was carried far out to sea. I gave myself up for lost. I was so far out that I could hardly see the low shores of my island. Suddenly I noticed that the canoe was only a little way from the edge of the current. Just beyond it the water was quite calm and smooth. I took up my paddle again and paddled with all my might. With great joy I soon found myself floating in quiet water. The wind was fair for the shore, and I set my sail again. The canoe sped swiftly back toward the island. I saw then that I was sailing midway between two strong currents. If I should be caught in either, I would again be carried out to sea. I needed all the skill I had to steer the canoe aright. At last, when the sun was almost down, I brought it into a quiet little cove where the shore was green with grass. CHAPTER Twenty Nine. I AM ALARMED BY A VOICE. As soon as I touched the land, I fell upon my knees and gave God thanks for bringing me safe out of so great danger. I made the canoe fast to a rock by the shore, and lay down on the grass. I was so tired that I soon fell asleep, and did not waken once until the next morning. I went up a little hill close by the shore, and looked around to see what part of the island I was in. To my right I saw some well-known trees which I had visited when I was exploring the island. Then I knew that I was only a little way from my summer-house, and that I could easily reach it by walking. I was sick of the sea, and I thought that nothing would be so pleasant as a few days in my quiet bower. So, with my umbrella over my head, I started across the country. It was a hot day, and I walked slowly. I stopped often to rest, and did not reach my summer-house until it was growing dark. I saw that everything was standing just as I had left it, for I always kept it in good order. As soon as I got over the fence, I sat down to rest, and I was so tired that I fell asleep. Then, all at once, in the darkness, I heard a voice calling me, Robin! Robin! Robin Crusoe! I was so full of sleep that I did not wake up at once, but between sleeping and waking, I could hear somebody saying, Robin Crusoe! Robin Crusoe! I wondered who it could be, but I was still more than half asleep. And then the voice screamed in my ear, Robin Crusoe! I sprang to my feet. I was frightened almost out of my wits. Who in the world could be speaking my name in that place? No sooner were my eyes well open 
than I saw in the dim light of the moon my pal parrot sitting on a post quite close to my shoulder. Poor Robin Crusoe, he said, poor Robin Crusoe. He was looking down at me as though in pity. He was but repeating the words I had taught him. I knew that he was glad to see me, as I also was glad to see him. I let him sit on my thumb, as he often did at home. He rubbed his bill on my face, and kept saying, Poor Robin Crusoe, where are you? Where have you been? In other words, that he knew. I wondered how the bird had come to this place, for I had left him at the castle. I asked him, Why are you here, Paul? But he answered me only by saying, Poor Robin Crusoe, where have you been? I surely believe that the bird loved me. In the morning I carried him with me back to the castle. As for the canoe, I would gladly have brought it back to its place in the little river, but I was afraid of being caught in the furious currents, and so I left it in the safe cove on the other side of the island. End of chapters 27 through 29 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California, for LibriVox, Spring 2006.